0: Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like me are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I will be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development, but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by Mark Nash. Mark is the Director of Coaching at Stony Brook Soccer Club here on Long Island. I first met Mark in 2009 when we were both participants on the NSCAA Advanced National Diploma at Hofstra University. Since then I have followed Mark's career from a distance, especially through his social media handles. Mark has been with the Stony Brook Soccer Club since 2003 and has been coaching for 25 plus years. Mark holds an NSCAA Advanced National and a USSFB licence. In today's episode we discuss Mark's time coaching for Stony Brook and how his role with the club has evolved from volunteer assistant to Full-Time Director of Coaching. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining me this evening.
1: Hello there, Paul. Yes, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to see you. Well, first, if you could just let us know, how did you get
0: into coaching?
1: Um, I think, you know, I, I sort of semi-blame my brother. Um, you know, back in back in the UK, uh, he... You know, he actually played on on a really good team when he was growing up. I was four years older, um, you know. So his coach at the time, or his his manager, um, was a guy called Ron, um, and he trained me growing up. And I think my team had it uh, disbanded at the time, or you know, it was was not sort of moving in the right direction. And and you know, I used to go to my brother's practice, sort of be the extra player in there. Um, and and you know, you start finding yourself. Um, you know, as the older kid, or as, as you was then, you know, starting to be used to demonstrate. And and I think that was like the first time I really touched upon, you know, and trying to sort of help players. And I was probably about 15, 16 at the time. But it was something that really, um, it really appealed to me that, you know, I, I really like doing this. And, you know, when I was about uh, early 20s, uh, I was with a, a, obviously a club team at that time. And, we went over to to Amsterdam for a soccer tour, and uh, yeah, it was very it was a good time over there. You know, we, we learned a lot. We got to see a little bit of the Ajax Academy, and you know, you got to see some of these young kids play. And I mean, these kids were seven and eight, and just doing incredible things that even as adults at that time we couldn't really you know, understand or execute and and I think that was the thing that really pushed me over the edge to say you know this is something that I'd like to do and constantly with the teams that I grew up with and I train with um, you know I try to sort of take a more of a role as a coach and before I come over to the States I went and got my FA um, coaches badges because I knew it was a big sport here and or well, it was a growing sport here and I wanted to try and get myself into that uh, I continued doing a little bit of coaching over in the UK before I got here um, and then once I arrived um, a, a guy that I started work for in a completely different industry he got given his daughter's team um, to coach and he said look would you, would you like to come in and, and help me and and that really sort of set my coaching career off here in the United States he it never meant to land where it has done today, but you know I'm really uh, thrilled that I can do something that I, I love every day. And you know it is very challenging, Paul, as you know, to to do the roles that we do and and to be in charge of a lot of different things. But you know it's really a blessing to be attached to a game that I just grew up with, and
0: and you know I still still love and have a great enthusiasm for. Well, it's funny that you said that you you mentioned about your uh, your younger brother because it was if it wasn't for my younger brother i probably wouldn't have had anything to do with with football at all so that's uh i always find uh find that so you know i always like to pick the similarities uh between between the coaches that i speak to so how did you how did it come about you moving to the u.s um well
1: funny enough my 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 ex-wife now but we um you know we we connected i was actually on a on a trip over to to ireland so we sort of connected there she was from the united states um you know obviously i was from, from the uk so we we connected um you know there and uh yeah that sort of started the process off for me you know we all you know, carried on yeah you know, we were seeing each other flying back and forth um to the us and back back to the uk over a period of about 2 years um and obviously at that point you know uh, wanted to make a commitment and uh yeah I moved over in, in 2003 so you know that's that's what really got me here and as I said you know I sort of worked in the blue chip industry um really sort of through most of my my adult life in the UK and and I come here I continue doing that and uh as I said I connected with a guy who just wanted somebody to help coaches to coach his daughter so that my first club here was Stony Brook and that was sort of back in 2003. So, you know, what we 2020 now. So I've, I've been at the club for 17
0: years now. Yeah. So that this for them, for most, I can't speak for every British person that lives on the Island, but the majority of us came here working for a coaching company, like a Noga, like a UK elite. um, And you know other companies are out there but we uh so the fact that you came really um no football ties at all is but then i suppose but and just thinking that oh i'm just going to you know help out a friend here just do this as a little bit of a you know you know on the evenings or a little bit on the weekends but then it it turns out to be then come this like um there's probably a better t- better word than a monster, but this like full time monster really of uh, yeah. of like running a club and, and working in in youth soccer on Long Island.
1: It, it's it's interesting, Paul, because you know again, um, yeah, I, I was doing it. Uh, As I said, so for 2003, you know, and, and I got into it and, you know, I started being paid for it, which, you know, was 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 great. You know, it was only a little bit of pocket money at the time, I guess. But, you know, I think 2008 we had the the big market crash when, you know, everything sort of went into a recession. Um, and, and that was a really sort of challenging time because again, the business that I worked in pretty much closed down overnight. So, you know, I went to the club at that point and said, look, you know, I'd like to start working more, you know, doing this. I enjoy it. I I, I think I'm quite good at it. You know, players respond, you know, I think, you know, I'm I'm pretty organized. Um, so, you know, I really took that skill set. Um, and the only reason I really pushed for that was because, as I said, the job that I was working in just simply wasn't there anymore. And, and it just sort of opened up, you know, this avenue to, to work in the club, you know, close to full time. And, you know, I was on the field, you know, every single day for three or four hours. And, you know, I just loved it. It was, it was, you know, it was perfect for me. So, um, you know, it sort of came around by default, to be honest, but it was, it was a really good thing that sort of happened to us, you know in that respect,
0: so really you started as really like as an assistant for like a volunteer assistant for a friend on a, a little
1: bit yeah and and as I said like I started as this like volunteer assistant helped him out and then like the club you know, approached me and said, look, would you like to be a travel coach? I was like, yeah, sure. You know? And I said, look, yes, you know, so this is what we pay for a coach. And, you know, again, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to turn my life around, but all of a sudden you're starting to do something you really enjoy. And it does, it sort of takes over a little bit, Paul, you know, uh, it's like the Panini soccer album, you know, you, you sort of start taking it a little bit more serious and you want to collect everything and, you know, you're running your own team like Football Manager and stuff like that and you're starting to strategize, and you're trying to learn more about the game and more about teaching and like you said, you talk about Noga and, you know, there's obviously some great people on this on the island who have been part of our coaching education uh, you know, I'm sure they were part of your coaching education and, you know, they've been great sounding boards to, to go in and ask advice and to reach out to too. And and you know I, I think there's a really good network of of coaches and people here that you know have certainly allowed me to to do you know to do the job that I'm doing and and you know again I'm very grateful for that
0: because I'd imagine that like from um, you know those early to mid two thousands where when the coaching company was they were so you know so vast and you were really as a, an independent an independent coach. You yeah. were the, you weren't the norm. I, I wouldn't imagine you were the norm in you know in those mid two thousands. So to be able to to do what you've you've done and 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 compete against those those larger organizations, you know, is probably a credit to the to the work that you do with the kids. So really, you started. You said that you'd be on the field for you know three to four hours a night, you know, seven days, days a week. So it was really just, you would just be coaching those hours, right?
1: Yeah. Mainly Paul, you know, and I run like this little, little academy, which was our eight nines and 10 year olds. And, you know, I had a little team of coaches with us and, you know, we'd have, you know, close to sort of 60, 70 kids come in every, you know, every hour, hour and a half. And and this is really when travel soccer was sort of in its pomp. You know, this is before all these leagues broke off and, you know, people wanted to play. And, you know, there was A teams and B teams and C teams um, and the kids just wanted to play. And, you know, we just create, I felt that we created like a very good atmosphere you know everything was just based around you know small-sided um you know playing just playing the game in its most natural form and of course with that you know you're adding in your own philosophy your own ideas um but it was really engaged to try and give those kids, you know, a, a good love for the game, give them a, obviously a good, good skill set that they could bring to the table. Um, but it was it was great. It was good seeing these kids come out of our academy and they would go and play for our, our travel coaches. But, you know, we we did work very hard with that and we made sure that for the, mo- for the most part, you know, that we we kept it. You know, we kept true to what we wanted to do. Um, and as I said you know kids come out of that and, and they had a buzz for the game pool. and I think that's one of the big differences now you know I don't think there's that buzz and excitement around soccer that there there once was by such a large group of people and you know I think that's always the challenge for us is that how can we sort of continue to recreate that this is a great game you know it teaches so many life lessons and look you know it's not who where you start it's where you finish and um, you know I think that's a big thing for I try and say to parents look you know you, you, you've your kid's a good little player, you know, He needs. he's going to grow a little bit more, he's going to get smarter on the field, um, but he needs a little bit of time. And And if you give him that and allow us to work with him, you know, in the two or three years, you're, you're just going to see such a huge growth there. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, we set a lot of kids on, on a good pathway with, with the work that we've done, you know,
0: around that time. So, are they, uh, so the Stony Brook Soccer Club and Three Villages, is that the same... Same group or same yeah, organization?
1: It's, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same club. I, I know. Um, I think our official our official name is Three Village Soccer Club, which is uh, again sort of made up of like Oldfield, Stony Brook, and sotoki That's where the Three Village comes from. But you know, Stony Brook Soccer Club, you know, is the more generic name that, that people recognise. You know, I think nowadays, and uh, you know, that's what
0: we sort of sort of fly under. So when you were when you said you started these programs, these academy. Uh, style programs was this was this all your input or was say a board member that was saying look Mark we've set this up we want you to coach or was it a case that it was you're saying look this is how I think we should start to to run things
1: yeah I mean there you know I, there, there was um, uh, Cesar Markovic you know started the the Stony Brook Academy so so to speak which you know again was the same sort of concepts and ideas of you know bringing the kids in together not necessarily creating teams for them off the bat. I think the first couple of years Caesar had it, they didn't play travel soccer. Um, It was just a case that they would go three times a week where the kids would come in, where they would train twice a week, and then they would effectively on a Saturday come in and do mini tournaments and that. And, And it was a really, really good concept because, again, it took away a lot of the Travel pressure, which again I think is probably worse today than it was then, um, and it was just really set up for the kids to play uh, and enjoy the game, you know. And uh, you know, Caesar obviously was the coach of the men's uh, university team, so I know his time was quite limited. In you know maybe you know, in getting there and, and doing as much as he could. And, and, you know, so he was juggling a lot of stuff as well. So as I said, it sort of was a natural progression for the club to say, look, the model is there. Um, You know, can you pick it up? Can you sort of push it, push it forward? Um, Which I think, you know, like I said, for the most part we, we did, Um, you know, we certainly after a year or two realized that kids wanted to play the travel games. Um, And I think the concept of them not playing was, was actually good. But it was starting to cost us players because by the second year of the academy, people were getting itchy feet and they wanted to play there. You know, they wanted to play the game. So we took you know, what was already a good idea and we we changed some things in it. We improved some areas, I felt um, there's probably areas that, that you know, we, we could have done you know a better job on as well but um you know like i said they really laid the foundation sort of caesar and his team and you know we sort of picked up on that and and put, you know continue to push it forward so you know it's a collaboration of you know i think good people good ideas around it and uh, again i think for me it was just a bit easier because that became my full time role
0: yeah you 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 know i think um uh, i was actually talking to one, one of my coaches this evening about this about how the idea of an in-house program where it's they're all teams from one club and they all play each other like i said in in mini tournaments or a mini mini league whatever you would want to call it as a as a club administrator as a uh as a soccer coach that that does some somewhat makes a, a lot of a lot of sense but like you said you've got to evolve your program you've got to meet the needs of uh the local community and and always be ready to you know to evolve because i i know my own children play uh pal program mm-hmm. and i i they do it more for the um well one it's local one it's they get to to play with friends or, or make friends within the community but sure. but the the like the the model is is very out outdated, and and it doesn't seem like the times have have changed, no. and there um I have to realize that my kids are getting something more valuable than just get becoming better soccer players from the program. I have to I have to accept that, um, but like you said, it the, that those style programs do seem to be getting outdated and those clubs that haven't moved on become like the soccer blockbuster or they you know, and they, you know, they lose out to to the soccer Netflix in a way, but they're, uh, yeah. so then now you said this, you started to get more of an administrative role within the club was um, this kind of just happened by accident or just because, um, you know, just because of your work background, you just wanted to, you know, try and give things more structure, or or make, you know, really start to help the club.
1: Yeah, I think again, Paul, it's always something you fall into. Yeah, it, it, I wish part of me wishes it. I could just just do the soccer part of it. I mean, obviously, when I took over the. Of first of all, like the director of coaching role, which was about 2014, um, and then sort of back 2017, 2018, sort of um, took over sort of the entire club. I mean, I was really more on the girl side um, of the program, um, and then would sort of just collaborate and connect with my sort of boys coaches and and uh, sort of leadership on that side and then you know obviously there were some changes and I sort of rolled into it so I think it's almost when you become the principal of the school you stop teaching and now you're sort of dealing more with again with budgets and with cost structures and you know finding even stuff like you know uniform issues and running around so it's been it's it's definitely it's different i mean there's parts of it that i really enjoy uh, i mean i find myself communicating with parents uh, a lot more um, which again, it, I think is not a bad thing because you know I think most people that I talk to, you know, we we have the right mentality and the, the right pathways there. But again, I, I think now you know being a modern coaching director is not just being out on the field assessing the coaches. It's it's all the other functions that come with it within the club because you're all trying to put it in the same direction. You know we have a you know I think we have a very you know good board behind us. You know we have a lot of clever people on there. Um, you know, so they from a business standpoint really, you know, steer the ship in the right direction. We have some great administration staff that, that I work with and, and make my job, you know, a lot a lot more tolerable than it is at times. But um yeah, I think you know, you you have to adapt as a as an individual. And and Paul, the big thing for me this summer was after COVID come in and we all got closed down, um, you know, we sat down and said, Look, what can we do that's a little bit outside the box? How can we just rather than just throw a zoom session up every week which a lot of clubs were doing and and you're trying to be innovative and and you're trying to keep the kids engaged so what what we did is we did that we said look you're going to come on you can train twice a week we can show you some skills but what we also did was create a google classrooms um and again a friend of mine who works in manhattan soccer club had sort of spoken to me and and given us the idea and we basically set homework for the kids and you know we would say right so here's a video from youtube of liverpool playing and it's about how they press as a unit and how the players slide into position Um, so we'd send it to the kids we'd give them 10 questions and we'd then reconnect with them a week later and say look you know let's discuss what we got here so we'd do the quiz and I tell you what, Paul, it was so good seeing these kids who may not watch a lot of soccer or as much soccer as we'd like them to start to really understand the nuances of the game and why Firmino pressed in a certain way and you know why Salah and, and Mane would slip into the pockets. You know, know it it was it was brilliant. So for for me, you know, to go and learn something like that and how to put classrooms together, if you'd asked me that we'd had this conversation a year ago. I would have just said, no, you know, that's that's really outside my comfort zone. I can't do that. So it sort of just goes back into what I was saying about the job. You know, you just gotta be able to change and and work with, you know, the things that the club needs you to do in, in any given time. So, you know, it's I always enjoy being on the field. I'm still out there, but um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff I do off of it which people don't really see. And and I think that's sometimes rewarding, it's sometimes a little frustrating because as you know yourself, you know, it's not just about the X's and O's.
0: Well you're right it's not but the, but then when you're saying about the the Google classrooms and trying to come up with different ways to to connect with with kids and and help them you know fall in love with the game or have a better understanding, it just goes back to the original point was saying about having to evolve as a coach having to evolve as a program to to stay with with modern times um like you said so many. Some many of us can get left behind thinking, well, you know, I grew up 20 years playing in London, you know, we're, you know, we're going to hit the channels and play four, four, two. And, you know, that's like, we know none of that electronic stuff, that's no. not, you know, so, you know, um, obviously that's stereotyping, but, um, you know, it's good to know that, um, you know, so many, you know, across. Across the Atlantic, and we we do actually do come with, uh, you know, we're not just here to steal the women and the children. We like we actually are here to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, to make these kids better and try, you know, and and you know, promote the game and and do the best for the kids, which is which is, you know, really good to see. And it goes back then. So you said in 2014. So you would basically been with a club for about ten years. And then you get this official title then uh, then as as DLC. So, assuming earlier really then would it have been the club's first official DLC.
1: Uh, no, that we we'd had a few DOCs in in before me. Um, so I know that yeah, so, so I I I'd sort of followed a you know a line of again some mainly people that coached you know they they were the head. Coaches at Stony Brook University, um, so that that had sort of been the line when the club I think put some DOCs in, which was before my time when I first came into the club. We had Scott Dean and Kim Dean, um, which both you we know, ran their the university um, men's and women's teams. So you know that they were already there, um, good good people. Um, so you know were very you know, very nice. You know introducing me into the club. Um, so the club had DOCs in there before. I think the difference was then, Paul that. And I know with all the clubs, you know, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids playing. And as I said, like we had uh, in probably every age group, even to the older kids, you know, at least two, three, four teams functioning. um, Just more kids were playing then. Um, So as I said, Paul, I think there's there was more need, you know, at that time to have you know, maybe two DOCs in the club. Uh I know, like I said, I think C's are coming after them. Um, But I know as a club, and again, like you said, as things evolve, I think even our club realised that it, it is a full-time job. You know, someone needs to pick up the phone to that parent at 1030 at night because, you know, they may be upset or, you know, all of a sudden the referee's not there on a Saturday morning. How do we fix the problem? You know, Somebody forgets passes. I mean, you you know yourself, boy. I don't need to. But, you know, there there needs to sort of, as a DOC, you're you're a problem solver, you know, or you try and be a problem solver on hand. and You you have to make some tough decisions at times, and and they're not always popular. And people, they want leadership and they want you to step up. But sometimes it's not the leadership they want at that time. So, you know, you're always sort of being pressed, i think that the the parent groups we deal with now are just are just different you know everything now is social media is very fast and uh you know we we try to sort of stay with that and i think as as a doc you know I, as i said i want to try and be at the cutting edge of what is the latest technology we can share with our people you know what are the latest ideas in us soccer how are we training the kids and luckily i do have the time to do that and do have the opportunity to try and implement that into our club and and keep up to date with that. But, um, yeah, but it is a full-time role and, and a lot more, you know.
0: So could you, for those that that don't, might not be from, from Long Island that listen, or I don't know the club, you just give us an idea of, of the size of the club
1: yeah absolutely so stony brook was established in i think it's 1979 um so they play out of the stony brook university campus which is is great you know it's um you know, they, they give us a lot of support and you know they they help us you know they're right in the heart of our community um so there's obviously a lot of people that come and play soccer in our club uh whose kids uh, you know they, they may be working at the university um you know we have a lot of children that are you know, obviously from the local area as well. So, you know, it's a really, it's a, it's a very unique place for sure. And you know, we're well, we're very, very lucky to to have the facilities that we do. So, you know, I would say that you know, we travel wise, you know, we're about you know five, six hundred players, and you know, our rec program, you know, in its pomp, you know, it runs at about you know anything between. 900 to 1200 players and again at the moment you know numbers are a little bit um hard to read because of everything going on so i think you know that will start will start to get a better vision of that but, you know there's people that are not playing because you know there's not a vaccine or you know covid's out there and as i said to you there's other age groups that maybe doing quite well because all of a sudden there's a bumping kids from, from other clubs that are not filled in. So, you know, I wouldn't put these numbers into the mix, but you know, there's, there's a good healthy amount of kids of within our club. And, you know, we want to obviously keep expanding on that and uh, making sure that we put a, a product out there that's affordable, but, you know, offers quality as well.
0: So then with, you know, being the DLC of a, of a club with really like, light- Fifteen hundred plus kids enrolled in, in different programs. You can't you obviously can't do it by yourself. So you must have, um, you know, a good team of coaches. You'd mentioned about uh, the good team. You had the administrative team. Those administrative roles are they still heavily relying on on volunteers from the community?
1: Um, sadly, Paul. Yeah, I, I think you know we do have you know we have administrators. You know so. That are, you know, I think, one one or two maybe you know are paid, and you know for the most part, yeah, clubs you know full of full of volunteers. So you know the, again, the volunteer numbers, I think all clubs are seeing it are not as strong as they as they used to be. Again, I don't know whether it's because people may have to work two jobs now, or times just just seems to be less. But um, now we're very heavily reliant on on volunteers to help make our club tick, and you know we always say to people, look, the more involved that you can get and and people have got a lot of good ideas out there we'd love to execute more of them if we could um so yeah we're always pushing to try and get more people involved um from the travel perspective and that's really my my main focus um so that's why i spend 95% of my time i mean i did put a curriculum together with with help from you know some and it's a digital curriculum as well so people can go in they can pull in pdfs we have a dropbox there for volunteer coaches i do the coaches training um as well at the you know uh, every I try and do it at least once or twice a fall once or twice in the spring so new people can come in and you now we just show them some games and that we show them how to access the system things that they can use um and you know paul it's just just making sure that they can deliver the right content and the right session in, in a dream world if money was no object you know we'd love to have an intramural director in there that could really you know pull the thing together but you know we don't do we don't do a bad job but as always you know if, if we can get a little bit more time in that group um you know we'd love to we'd love to get that you know to the to the next level
0: yeah the, the only reason i ask is because with with my club hewlett lawrence you know the you know the club the club president and the club treasurer and the registrar three three main people and myself but without those three um there are obviously more volunteers but without those three men and especially the you know the club president you know they they are the heart and soul of of the club and we you know we do realize that you know the the volunteer is not dead but they are they are few and far between so um i know as a dlc as well having a having a good relationship with with the board with you know with the club president is um you know it just it does it's just does wonders and it's it makes it such a a better experience for the kids and like you said you'd mentioned before the the amount of behind the scenes work that you have to do that that may not go noticed on the field or you know like you said you thought you thought um it was just you know, you think you're going to coach and just run it, run a session, but then now there's more, you know, more things, more things that, you know, that go into it could probably end up spending. I probably do spend as just as much time on the computer and phone as to do, uh, do on the field. Um, yeah. and that's, um, I suppose really for any coach that wants to, not all coaches, but, um, if you want to make that, you want to take it to the, to the next level and you, you know you know doing those going beyond the field is is a great way to uh to one help the kids and help the club but you know to further your career in the game as well because um you know there's there's only so many years that you can you can do like your 20 to 30 hours on on the field coaching and right. you know still be you know it it takes its toll and so um being able to uh like you said ha- hire good coaches that will you know follow your lead and do, and like i you said you'd you'd been you'd had a digital curriculum and even that the kids could follow that coaches could follow it's um you know we can help now help in better ways or different ways like i said always like you've evolved the program you have to evolve as as a coach otherwise you're just gonna uh ruin yourself into the ground
1: yeah
0: absolutely so with um with the with the board of directors at at Stony Brook, has there always been the same president within your time or have you has there been like a a lot of different different yeah, people I've, involved
1: i i've outlived about three boards Paul, i think um yeah,
0: because... so,
1: yeah so there's been there's been uh two or three changes sort of since I've, I've been at the club and you know, it's, as I said, you know, there's, you can't, you can't put a price on the work that some of these people do, but um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people and and generally Paul, as you know, yourself, you know, as people's, kids go through the club they stay there they have a good positive input and then you know they they move on you know as, as their kids do you know they move to another part of their their life and yeah some people stick around they they want to still be involved and be a part of it but um yeah as I said I've been in the club since 2003 so uh yeah I've seen a lot of people come and go for sure
0: well then from from following your program from a distance like through social media and um and even we talked again and I keep mentioning it how you your program has evolved. One of the big things that took was that you'd um, within the past couple of years you'd you'd made one of your your entry level program into the club free. Could you talk a, a little bit about um, about that program and, and the reasons behind why you were able to do that?
1: Yeah, I, I think Paul. You know, we we sat round and and look you. you There's less kids playing sport. There's, you know, we're in a very, you know, a very big like lacrosse area as well. So you know, we we're always competing there. We're obviously competing with with other clubs and you know, and you know yourself. You know, there's a lot of things go on where you know there's all these other little programs you know in and around us, and people are trying to I say grab kids like younger and younger. But you know, the reality is that you know it's become such. A business driven environment and when we grew up soccer was it was just a sport we could just go and play and it was cost effective and you didn't need much and then you look around and you see these private businesses and entities that are popping up in your area and you're thinking to yourself well you know what are we really serving here you know and and how can we give something to our community that doesn't end up costing them you know, an arm and a leg, and and they can come in and they can play and they can get to know the club and they can get to know themselves. They can, you know, get a real feel here. And as we said, you know, creating that community spirit, I think we need more of that. So, you know, between some sponsors that we went out to and said, look, can you help run our program? Can we get jerseys on the kids, Um, you know, equipment, and to help us with some of the coaching education costs, Um, Yeah, those businesses stepped up and said, yeah, absolutely. This makes perfect sense. So, you know, we went to them people and said, look, come in and play soccer at no cost. You know, this isn't this isn't about, you know, money for us. It's more about doing the right thing so that you guys can start your career in Stony Brook Soccer Club and and hopefully, you know, pull that sort of opportunity for them you know we'll be remembered as time's gone on and hey stony brook got us into playing soccer and i enjoy my time here we got lovely facilities and 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 it's nice And, and as i said you know the club's got a good feel feel about it um so that i think paul was probably the the super nuts you know it wasn't any massive strategic planning you know we do want to keep kids in the club but we want to make soccer an attractive game for families you know we we don't want to be pushing them financially too early and 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 asking them to do things that, that we don't really need them to do but as i said you know we as a community club that's why it was important
0: yeah i think now with um with um we talk about how how coaches and clubs evolving but how just life and the world is evolving in at these times that um a lot of clubs I think will rely on, on sponsorships. I know with my own club, we've been very fortunate to receive sponsorships for, for team uniforms. Um, but for, for anyone out there that is a coach or works within a club, reaching out for, reaching out to the community, want to get the community playing and the community involved, but, you know, to promote those businesses as well that, that really need help, um, you know. And obviously, some of those businesses that, if they can provide shirts, if they can, you know, it—it's a uh, or, or you know other things to help a program. It's you know just gives everything a, you know a, a positive spin. There, um, like you said, there's um, the club's been around since the the '70s, and it's probably it it's not going not going anyway it's, it's going to be here for a long time there's so many um you know things that come by and then the next minute they're gone or their names change so that's a uh you know really uh really good that you're able to offer that to the uh you know to the entry level players to your to your program and then another big thing that i'd seen with your club was um and your partnership with um on the travel side, on the on the higher higher caliber player, however we want to to name those kind of players, you talk a little bit about um, that relationship with. You said it's called it's called Atletico. At-
1: at- Atletico, yeah. The um, so Atletico eh, FC is a, is a club run by Kirk. Kelly, who I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, know, you know, very, uh, very sort of good name on 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 the island. Um, so and I've known Kurt for really again since I got here in 2003. Uh, we went and done our B license together up in Massachusetts, so we had to slog it up there for sort of ten days. Um, and you know, as I said, Paul, you know, I think we both know, and many clubs do. You see a lot of these partnerships and affiliations sort of popping up, um, and we we just. We uh, we sat down one day and just said look, you know we what what is the big it's uh, not of the big concern but look you know how do we keep the kids playing soccer within our within our clubs you know there's a very big pool you know and it gets, it's getting earlier and earlier for the so-called sort of the the, the top of the talent pool needs to. Go elsewhere to to get better. I mean, that's a general feeling. But it's, it's those kids in sort of that middle area, the ones that sort of get left without the teams, uh, which represents probably most of our memberships. You know, what do we do? To, do we do for them? And you know, I know that Kurt, uh, you know, had said to us like, why don't we sort of start looking to put a couple of age groups together, um, and and sort of see how we how we can manage that so we took a few age groups last year we took the boys 2004 we took the girls 2006 group um you know because again we had we had some numbers there um yeah i think the big the biggest challenges for us when you bring in two clubs together is people are now pulled out of their comfort zone and you know, where you've been on a team for a little while and you maybe you've been the number six or number seven player, now you're coming in with another group of players and you may go from number seven to number 14. Um, what I will say is that the level of training and the level of play in the kids immediately went up because now everybody's out of that safety area and everyone's got to sort of almost reprove themselves again. And I think long-term, it will be a really, really good... Um, really good move for for, for both clubs. I think shorter term, especially in that first year, that first two years, like any merger, everybody's checking it out. You know, who's doing what? You know, why is my kid placed here? Why is my kid placed there? But what we're starting to do now is have stronger age groups with more, with more numbers. Everybody has a place to play. And more importantly, we're keeping it really fluid. So instead of going to the traditional, there's an A team, there's a B team, that's it for the next 12 months. We know, you know, Paul, that kids very quickly can have that growth spurt or all of a sudden, you know, they things start coming together for them. And in the past, you know, you get that kid who you get to see at tryouts and maybe they don't do that well at tryouts. And the next year they're sort of stuck on the same team. So when we push this together, we said, look, we understand, you know, it's going to be tricky and people are going to have to sort of, you know, take a little bit of pain. But, the longer term goal is that as the program gets stronger and there's more kids around it, the competition is getting better in each of the age groups. Now we're starting to see things that even I didn't expect to see early on, you know, and kids that maybe just train twice a week, they're going out to practice on their own now where they'd have never done that a year ago, or they're the older kids are hitting the weight room or they're watching their diet. So these kids are doing this organically, you know, we're trying to, create that platform for them. But it's great sort of seeing it. And, and as I said, you know, there's bumps in the road. You know, there's, there's a lot of different personalities involved at times, you know, is with parents. And as I said, that, that always was going to represent a challenge. But I would say for the most part, you know, we've got most of the age groups where we where we would like them um, and we're seeing good things. So as I said, Paul, you know, we, we're happy with it. You know, we, we want to keep making it better. We, we're always looking to try and find other avenues where we can keep creating opportunities for the kids. But, um, you know, I think we're in a good
0: spot with it. Yeah, i well, just touched on the avenues to create opportunity. Like you said, you've, um, I just like the idea that you've, just for my, my observation, you've, you have, we just talk about the, you know, the entry-level free programme for those three, four-year-olds, and now we're talking about Um, you know improving the standard of those those older ages which can be the time period where kids think well drop out or think i'm only i'm just going to play for the school team i can't do school and i can't do club or they just like you said decide oh i'm going to go play lacrosse but giving kids a different um or another sport but giving kids that um that desire and that passion to want to you know, thrive in soccer and give them new opportunities. Um, and yeah, I know you mentioned about the the bumps and the the bumps in the road, but you know, any 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 program would have that. We you, you could look at professional teams and
1: yeah,
0: look at um, how how clubs have had to to transition, but to but then do eventually progress, and it's all for the. You know the better, the better of the player, really, which is, you know, just a a, a great thing, great thing to see. So really, we've, you know, we've, with with seventeen years at, at one club, which again is a is a is a u is a unique.
1: The awesome like, it,
0: Yeah. Is <laughs> it? Is a, it's a Look what happened to him. <laughs> is a, uh, well, we'll we'll all we'll we'd all quite happily take a job at at FIFA. So. We are there. Was a every cloud, every cloud, but there are, uh, you know. But joking aside, it's a big. That's a big, a a big achievement. What's been uh, the 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 biggest thing that you'd say that you you've learned in in those seventeen years?
1: That's a that's a great it's a great question, Paul. And I think the you you don't you don't know as much as you think you know. Uh, And I think you know and that's not just talking about coaching that's talking about what you know about people what you know about about kids um and as i said as a young as a young coach you know i felt you, know, you come in and you start doing good things with the kids and you get a lot of a lot of praise from the parents and i think they really enjoy that and as a younger coach you really buy into that you know, i can't do anything wrong and i can do this and i can do that and then when things go a little bit sour and you have to make some tough decisions, and you've really connected with these people on a human level, on a personal level, that becomes really, really difficult because you've now got to deliver somebody who you consider a friend, bad news. And they take it obviously a lot more sort of personally. And, and I think, like I said, if I had my time again with the first five or six years, the separation of being a coach, and being a friend is is really, really important. And I'd say to any young coaches and aspiring coaches coming up, you know, keep yourself, you know, keep yourself as, as the coach of the team. Uh, and it's great. You know, people invite you over for dinner and, and they want to be your best friend and they want to do all of this stuff for you. And it's great. But, you know, things change drastically, you know. And, and as I said, you know, that, that would be the biggest thing that I learned. And if I was talking to my younger self, you know, it'd be, look, you know, you're, you're the coach, you know, that that's your relationship with these people. And, and if you keep it at that, you know, there's, I think less problems for you when you have to make a tough decision, or uh, when you have to sort of make, you know, a decision that's going to affect the team or affect that individual. Um, And, and like I said, it, it can be a really lonely job sometimes, you know, and I think, as I said, people don't understand the time effort that goes into it, but it's also one of the most rewarding as well when, when things come together. And, and for me, Paul, when I see a kid come back to our club and say, I want to coach here because I really enjoyed my time here. That to me is is a, one of the big definitions of success. And you can't understate that when everything nowadays is, can this player get a D1 scholarship? Or can this player get money to go to college? And, you know, sometimes it becomes a job for these kids. And and as I said, you know, when for me, when we have kids that come back or they still stay in the game or they still plan on a, an adult team, that gives me a lot of pleasure that they stayed in the game and they grew their love for the game on the fields that we're still training on today.
0: You know, Mark, that's that's uh, you know really nice of you to say, and really, you know, really good advice there. And I have to really thank you for your for your time. I really in, enjoyed talking to you. Um, um, it was great advice, and well, I wish you all the best for the season.
1: Oh, always a pleasure, um, and yeah, happy to always jump on and, and chat anytime. So thanks for having us, and um, you know, good luck for you guys, and stay in contact. And uh, you know, again, good, good luck.
0: Thanks, Mark. I had a lot of fun listening to Mark's story and how he got into coaching. We could have talked for hours, and we didn't even touch on our experience on the advanced national. Mark's coaching career started as a volunteer with his younger brother and has progressed into a full-time role. I was also impressed with how Mark has adapted and evolved as a coach over the years, and how he has always looked for fresh technological ideas and the latest learning methods to enhance his players' development and enjoyment of the game. I also like how Mark has had an impact on the growth of his club with the introduction of a free programme for younger players who are taking their first steps into playing And also the partnership with Atletico FC to give the more advanced player an opportunity to continue playing with the club. Mark's passion and hunger to keep kids playing has to be admired. Not many coaches can say they have been at the same club for 17 years. There's more to coaching than just the X's and the O's. It's the relationships you create off the field with the players, the players' families, local businesses... And the community. This will help you and your club thrive. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc., or send an email PaulKelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.